Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the third episode of the ASOG podcast. In this episode, Lucas and I are joined by Dutch Silverstein. He is also a moderator on ASOG, and he's the owner of A&M Auto Service in Pineville, North Carolina. In this episode, we discuss all things profit, net operating profit, gross profit, but we dive deep into why we need to generate a profit. What's the purpose of having a profit in our business, and how do we get there? We also make a special announcement about ASOG towards the end of the podcast, so make sure you listen all the way to the end. And before we begin, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, or if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word. And here we go. jump into this and think about this for a minute okay. you know we're all in the group and we see it all the time and we see a new member come into the group or we see somebody that that may not be a new member and there's discussion on profit mm-hmm. and it always seems like many of the discussions there's some up in the air about the understanding of net versus gross profit right right and something that's always kind of stood out to me and and when I started on this whole improvement of my business, I got into this thing where I had all these ideas about all this stuff I wanted to do. I was worried about car count. I was worried about, you know, parts GP. I was worried about uh, labor GP and hours per RO. And I was thinking about all these things that I needed to fix and I needed to do something about. And when I look at these folks in ASOG, who are talking about all the improvements they want to make, I really see myself in that. And so what I would hope that we could accomplish tonight is a discussion from the other side, and that is the destination. Um, a few years ago, 
And, and the reason that I came up with this kind of concept or thought process was a few years ago, uh, I watched a video by Jim Fannin and Jim Fannin is the goal coach. You can find the video on YouTube, but in it, he talks about, um, what a true champion does. And he said, a true champion goes to the destination in his mind where he wants to B. So if he wants to go from A to B, he goes to B in his mind and he chronologically illuminates a path back to A. And you'll hear me say that a lot because I try and do that now. I try and stop and think about where I'm going with my business and I try and think about what I'm trying to improve. And over time, I've found that that we really have to do this with net profit and we really have to understand what net profit is. And I know that we see a lot of members who we begin to have some discussions about profit and you'll say, Hey, what's your net profit percentage on this or what's your net profit for the year? And it becomes clear that they don't really understand what net profit is. And I was hoping we could have a discussion about that. Hold on. And you, you know, you, I will hold start. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's have Dutch kind of break down profit first. So just the, just the basic explanations. So when we continue on the conversation, because I think you opened a huge can of worms with the whole destination talk, because it's so important, some people may think that the whole point is to be able to just show on the P&L that you generated a net operating profit, that at the end of the year, you were at 18%, 20%, 25%, whatever. And that might, that may not be the goal. That's just a, a means to an end. So we'll talk about that here in a second. But just so everybody understands when we say net operating profit versus gross profit or whatever, Dutch, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you explain profit just in general, uh, how it's how we calculate it, what's the difference between gross and net, and then we'll just go from there. All right. So the issue that you face is that when we're talking about gross profit, when we're talking about net profit, sometimes it's easier to work from the back. When you have a, any company has three financial statements, and that's your profit and loss, otherwise known as your income statement, your balance sheet, and your cash flow. So what we're looking at is we're looking at the first line that appears on a profit and loss or an income statement is gross sales. Okay. From that, we minus our cost of goods sold. And that's going to include, for in our business, technician labor and parts. And that gives us our gross profit. From there, we're going to continue to work our way down through that statement. And we're going to get to our net profit. Our net profit is what we're left with. After every single expense on that business or for that business has been taken care of, our net profit is expressed as a percentage of our gross sales. So, as an example, just using easy numbers, easy math, if we had $500,000 worth of gross revenues for the year, and at the end of the year, December 31st, we had $50,000 in the bank. 50000 is 10% of 500000 That would give us a net operating profit prior to taxes. 
and depreciation of 10%. So that's a pre-tax net operating profit. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. And people use that net operating profit as a barometer to judge the viability of a business. And that's wrong. And that's where I'm going to hand this over to Lucas. Because ultimately, when a business comes out, you have to decide what your goals are. And you have to sit down with your accountant and talk about it. I guarantee you, for those that are listening from ASOG here, everybody I suspect has an accountant that they meet with and that they who processes their um, income tax and their tax information. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on. Don't make that assumption. Because I've talked to a lot of shop owners that they use their accountant as a bookkeeper or they think they're the same. And the accountant just tells them, yeah, you made money last year. Here's your tax bill or whatever. And they have no idea. And then I've also talked to shop owners who have found out after the fact the accountant's been taking them, miscalculating stuff paying too much in taxes, uh, not calculating expenses properly, not deducting things properly. And it was sure the accountant's at fault here, but it's also on the shop owner for not taking any time or putting any effort into learning what it is that they're talking about and what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, and having a an educated ed- uh, conversation with the accountant. Well, that's part of the reason that we're here. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a while, and there are a lot of mistakes that have been made. I made a lot of them, so my hope is that by coming on here and, and kind of, you know, bearing my soul in doing this, that people can learn from my ignorance. Because when I started 22 years ago, um, I didn't know who to turn to. There weren't that many mentors that were out there. There weren't that many coaches. And I certainly, as just starting out by myself, I couldn't afford to... to Higher on with a, a coach. Um, so if you don't have an accountant, 
because an accountant and bookkeeper are different. If you don't have an accountant, I'm going to strongly advise that you get one. And the first thing you have to do is you have to sit down and decide what it is you want your business to do. Because the way that the accountant handles the information that you're giving him is going to be different between people. We can have two shops that produce the same amount of, of uh, sales, have the same expenses. Everything is the, ex the same except the adjustments that are going to happen because one shop wants to have a lot of other shops and they want to grow. And the other shop wants to use every legal means available to reduce their tax liability. <laughs> when that happens, if the accountant isn't clued in, if he doesn't understand, there's problems that are going to ensue. So I'm going to ask that everybody at ASOG, if you have an accountant, take the time to sit down and discuss what it is you want your business to be and what it means to you so that he can tailor his work to helping you achieve what it is you want your business to be. Don't and, simply assume that it's going to be the same for everyone because it isn't. And, and specify here because what you said was incredibly important. You have two shops that are both producing the same amount of gross revenue. Let's say their gross profit margins the same expenses – there's the variation, right? There, mm -hmm. There's where the variable is, the expenses. Right. Shop A wants to show a healthy net operating profit because they're going to use that to leverage into maybe the purchase of land or maybe they need to buy a house. That's incredibly important, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to move the numbers around, uh, an accountant will, to show over the last two, three years or whatever, a healthy net operating profit. Regardless of what you pay yourself, because they'll roll that into it, but a healthy net operating profit to then be able to uh, be eligible for a, a particular mortgage. Or you want to buy property for the business, or you want to buy other shops like you mentioned, versus shop B could give a crap about any of that. They don't want to pay a lot in taxes, and they want to use whatever means they can to bury expenses which some a, a normal employee, a W-2 employee, would have to pay with post-tax dollars. So the government gets their cut, and then you, whatever you're left over, then you start buying whatever, your expenses, uh, household expenses. Whereas a business owner has the benefit of the tax code in their favor, and so they can start looking for legal means to start using the business to buy things or, or whatever expenses they need to, to spend money on with pre-tax dollars. So it's incredibly important to understand what it is that you want the business to do for you. I don't think a lot of shop owners do that. What's the purpose right. of the business? It's just a job for them, right? It shouldn't just be a job for them. What is it that you want to do with the business? If you mean to leave it with your children or if you've got, like I've got little ones, right? And so... I know I can use my business as a means to pay for some of their expenses if they work within the business. And you can do this with other family members as well to pay for a whole host of expenses that would then just count as business expenses. It ruins your net operating profit. But just as Dutch said, 
if your goal isn't necessarily to buy a house or to buy property or to leverage that net operating profit or at least showing that net operating profit uh, into something else, then that net operating profit just becomes taxable income uh, for for you as the business owner. So I, uh, me personally, I don't think it's that big a deal if you don't show a net operating profit. It is so much more important for me personally <laughs> that you have a healthy cash flow statement. That's a different discussion entirely. But it is. And, and here's the thing is, is that one of the things that I've seen come up a lot recently is we see some older shop owners who say, I'm getting ready to get out of the business. I'm going to sell the business. And then all of a sudden they realize that to sell the business for what they think they should be able to get for it, they better have a way to show net profit. Well, here's here's how that works, Lucas, and that's and that's a, a great scenario that guys that are my age that we want to sell the business. Now, the guy that that has the business who has been in a position where he wishes to avail himself of all the legal remedies to reduce his tax bill, uh, he has he's showing a low net operating profit. But since he wants to sell the business, somebody who's going to buy it is going to want to see the last three years, typically of their income tax, and they're going to want to see the company documents to include the, the trifecta, the three that I showed you, okay? Well, a multiplier is used for the pre-tax net operating profit to de- help determine what the business should sell for. It depends on owner involvement, et cetera, et cetera. There are other, other factors. So what typically happens is you get a guy that's my age or close to it that wants to retire who has... Um, a car or two that are registered to the business and a gym membership and a host of other things that the business is writing off because he figures, hell, I'm going to get it and I'm not going to wind up, uh, I'm going to have tax savings on it. And then he has to engage in what's known as recast financials. Recast financials is when he goes to the, the potential or prospective buyer and goes, look, I got two trucks, a boat, a 69 Camaro that I have stuff on the side. I got a gym membership as a wellness program. Let, let me go into the, the expenses and pull out all the stuff that you're not going to use. And that protocol is known as recast financials. And it's so commonplace that it has a name for it. That's what that owner that you're talking about that you nailed is going to have to do unless the last three years prior to him selling, he runs a very, very austere business where he focuses solely on net operating profit as a percentage of gross sales, keeping that as high as he possibly can because the difference in money that he's going to realize for the business is huge. It's huge. That, that's why sitting down and having that discussion yeah. and knowing what your plans are a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, y- you need to know what that is. You need to map it out, just like you were saying, on uh, Lucas, that you, you need to know what that destination looks like so you can start working towards that. Let, let me yeah. ask you this, Dutch. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just curious. Yeah. Would you buy, if you if you had to go back and you had the cash, Mm-hmm. You've got a, you know, a couple hundred thousand, three hundred, five hundred thousand in cash sitting aside. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not getting you very good interest. Uh, maybe the stock market's not doing that well. And you said, well, I, I'd, I'm going to look to buy a business. Would you, if you're going to buy an automotive repair shop, would you rather buy something 
that the financials are a mess. You know, the shop's not is doing okay. It's got decent gross revenue, but no net operating profit. Or would you rather purchase an established business that you know is producing a healthy profit? They've got cleaned up financials. You look at it and you're like, yeah, this thing's making money. Which direction would you go in? For me, um, assuming that both businesses were a relationship-based business, I'm not a fan of transactional business models. So uh, assuming that they're both relationship-based business, I would wind up buying the one that's generating the healthy profit um, that wouldn't require that much involvement on my part. That, for me, is the is the apex. That's what I would want, knowing that... Even 20 years ago? Even 20 years ago, I would have really? done that. Yep. Yeah, and, and the reason being, and um, you know, I, I have a special needs son. You guys know that. And a lot of his life, I was gone because I was building this business. So if I had that to do that over, if I, you know, if that was my my choice, I would want as long as it's a relationship based business where uh, people knew that they were bringing their car to an advocate and not a salesman. I would that would be the business that, that I would go for because. That's what was, if I didn't have to be there and it was running well and it was a turn, true turnkey business, yeah, I would have spent more time with my son. What about you, Lucas? I, I think I would have probably been in the same boat as Dutch, right? Because that's probably one of my bigger visions through my business is I, I want the ability to spend more time with my family. I'm not there yet, right? We're still growing the shop. We're still getting it where it needs to be, but I'm going to look for a profitable operation. Right. Because they've got processes and policies and procedures. And, and, you know, I think that's something that we need to go back to a little bit. Right. Because we went off on this topic about buying and selling businesses and we're talking about the, the big scheme of things. But let's remember that net profit is such an indicator of the health of the business. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't very long ago that I learned that in QuickBooks or most accounting softwares, we can per- put a percentage on our P&L. And that was huge for me because it just makes it so much easier to look at. I'm not a numbers person, right? It's not what I do. And, you know, when we talk about these things and these expenses, you know, there's things that, that where I pay myself and it shows up on a P&L line or I pay my employees, right? I can go in there and I can look at my gross and I can I can go down through and look at my advertising and have a picture of where we're spending money. And I think it's really important that we discuss that. That, that so many of these owners that I talk to, I don't know about you, Dutch, I don't know about you, David, but so many of these owners that we talk to don't have that ability. And the ability to look at your numbers is key, right? Because we're talking about whether you're turning a net or not turning a net. Look at the owners that we know that don't know where they're at. And that's scary for me. That, that would that's be terrifying. most shops. Yeah. That, and, and, and look, I, I keep... A million dollars. I think that would, that was the ratchet and wrench survey if you do less than a million dollars it's like 96 percent of shops don't keep track of their numbers at all and here's the thing that bothers me about that right here's here's what gets me is that when we get into that position i I keep hearing these people say oh yeah i've got net 20 net 20 net 18 uh if you are not watching your numbers on a weekly basis I mean, I watch mine on a daily basis, and if you're not watching them... Hey everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. 
You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. They will get away from you before you know it. It's not necessarily easy to turn a net 20 profit until you get the business configured and operating the way it's supposed to. And you still have to watch it. You still have to maintain it. You still have to manage it. But what concerns me is, is there's a lot of owners who they get a P&L from the accountant, right? They didn't actually bookkeep. They didn't set their accounting software up and their chart of accounts based on their business. The accountant just set everything up for them. You need some basic knowledge, in my opinion, to allow you to look at those chart of accounts and know where things are supposed to go, have an understanding of how the business is supposed to operate. And I'm really concerned that we have a lot of owners that are not doing that. What's your thoughts, Dutch? Well, look, I'm going to, you know, I love it when people get jazzed about their business. I love seeing them invigorated and, and excited and they've achieved something. I, I love that. I don't, it, whether it's buying an, a new piece of equipment or, hey, we did this in gross sales or you, that's great. What's absent frequently is context. So the, the, the shop owner who says, yeah, um, we have 22% net operating profit. Woohoo. But his uncle owns the land and he hasn't paid rent on it. And if you actually said, okay, we're going to stick somebody in your place and they have to pay you rent. Now, not only did you not have a net operating profit, you were negative. Or the, the, the owner that says, yeah, we got 22%. Um, well, that's great. What were your expenses? Like, how much did you pull off a salary? Oh, I didn't pay myself. My wife has got a phenomenal job. So I, but you're working in the business, right? We have those as well, don't we? We have a number, we have a number of people who don't understand the context. They know nothing about, and it's not a slam. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean here. Please understand. I want everybody to do really, really well. But the fact is that, and, and there's an expression we used to have in, in, in my other life, and that was that as a captain, you could delegate all of the authority in the world on the airplane, but none of the responsibility. So what we see is we see people who don't know, who get intimidated by numbers, and they delegate that to their accountant and say, okay, set it up without ever asking, hey, have you ever set an automotive business up, my type of automotive business, not a dealership, but my type of business? Can we sit down and talk about it, what it is that I want the business to do? They don't do that. They they delegate. Here, take it. And then the accountant, just as you said, Lucas comes up with a series of numbers and they look at it and go, haha, and they go right to the bottom, right to the end, net operating profit. Woohoo! We made a net operating profit. That's great. But what does that mean? What's your context? 
Right. Is your business yeah. healthy or not? And 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 that that way of operating, there's no way to know, right? And and I've no. always been told, right? When I first started trying to improve my business, I was always told, if you're waiting for your accountant to tell you something's wrong, it already is. Yep, it's too late. And we can't depend on them to give us that information. That's typically not their job. Now, there's there's facilities like Parmelis. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Hunt does a fantastic job. They're a really slick bunch. They really know what they're doing. Um, but they're one of millions of uh, CPAs and accountants all over the country. If you're not talking to your accountant and have an understanding of your chart of accounts and an understanding of, of how all this falls together, especially in the automotive business, there's so many ins and outs of this. I mean, my chart of accounts, you know, it used to have like 15 accounts in it. I think I'm up to 200 and something now. And, and <laughs> even our advertisements, each advertisement has a specific chart that it go or account it goes into. So we can track that and track those dollars and where the dollars coming from, where are the dollars going. And I think so many shop owners, just like you said, delegate that away and, and they never recognize the jeopardy they're putting themselves, their family or their business in. Okay. So I think they, everybody gets the point that. They need to talk to their accountant. But let me ask you this. You're starting day one. You can only afford one or the other. Are you hiring a bookkeeper or an accountant? Depends on the experience level. Of the shop owner or the the bookkeeper? Of of the bookkeeper. They're two different jobs. Yep. Actually, now... If you can only afford one or the other, which would... You know, and there's going to be shops on here don't have either one and, and they're like, well, I can't afford, you know, the account and a bookkeeper. I well, think the bookkeeper is the account <laughs> or right. the well, accountant is the bookkeeper. Which one would you guys recommend they go from, towards? From my perspective, right? We can learn to do the books. There's, there's information that shows you how to, uh, you know, properly use QuickBooks and there's training courses and, and you can, hook up with a coach and they'll they'll set you up with a couple of videos and some training cost you very little to do that not that it would be 100 percent perfect but uh to understand tax law and understand how to keep the business out of serious tax liability i think that takes a little more specialty and a little more training than the average shop owner can just pull off the cuff. I think you probably need to hire a professional for the tax liability side of things. Um, bookkeeper. Yeah, that's great. You know, my wife does most of the bookkeeping for the shop. Um, and she does a fantastic job, but we worked with our coach to go through and build the chart of accounts and have an understanding of what we're putting where and why we're putting it there. So I think the bookkeeper, especially as you get established, is is less important as hiring as far as a professional goes than a CPA would be. Yeah, but this, this, here's the thing, okay? When you say if it's an either-or statement, it's either a bookkeeper or an accountant. All right, so if you yeah. go to an accountant and you say, okay, here is a year's worth of parts receipts and a year's worth of expenses – and a year's worth of, the, and you're handing it to them, even, you know, even if it's, it's organized by vendor, et cetera, et cetera, you're paying per hour for him to take all that information, to place it in the proper chart of accounts, to create a chart of accounts. You're, and the amount that you're going to pay for that 
is going to be astronomical. You're going to be paying several thousand dollars. Or they're just going to, they're going to wing it. Which really, now if they're, and that's a big deal, are you going to, Lucas, are we going to a certified public accountant that is acceptable to represent you before the IRS, or are we going to an accountant? Because people think they're one and the same, and they're not. Uh, an accountant does not have to be a CPA. So which what are we choosing, David? Are we going to a CPA, or are we going to a straight accountant? Either or. <laughs> got him. Yeah. Got him on let's, that so one. Let, let's, well, I think a lot of people assume if they see accountant, they're assuming it's a CPA. But well, they're right. wrong. That's something, that's something they need to check. I completely disagree with Lucas, by the way. I, I think if I <laughs> if I start my business again tomorrow, the first thing I'm hiring is a bookkeeper and one with experience in the automotive field. And I'm going to try to get as much information as possible to make sure that I can get together with that bookkeeper and figure out how to set up my chart of accounts because a good bookkeeper can set up your chart of accounts. You can tell them, hey, I'm going to be looking to spend money on A, B, and C. They're going to be able to help you figure out, okay, we need to create a completely different uh, account for this and that and the other, and they're going to be able to set up your P&L for you. They should also be delivering a P&L for you, which you then at the end of the year because a bookkeeper is typically inexpensive. It's typically inexpensive. It just depends on how much work you're going to have them do. But the fact that you're going to be able to walk into a CPA's office with clean financials, these are accurate. They're reconciled to my bank account. They're reconciled to my credit card uh, statements. Everything's correct. You're going to be able to walk in, and just like Dutch said, you're going to be paying by the hour. You're going to be paying a set fee. You just need to make sure that that CPA is going to be able to minimize your tax liability as best possible, or you can sit down with them and say, look, um, this is what I've got so far. Or may you may even have a consultation at the beginning of the year and say, hey, um, I want to get together with my bookkeeper and my CPA because I plan on this CPA doing my taxes at the end of the year. These are my business goals. I want to minimize my household expenses and slide them into the business as best possible. Legally, of course, ethically, of course, to the nth degree, because I really don't want to pay any taxes. So, um, they're going to, the CPA is going to say, okay, uh, this is a go, but this is not. This expense is okay. We can do this and move this over here. That's fine too. Your bookkeeper will then set it up and they'll make sure that, that your numbers are clean. That's why I'm saying the bookkeeper's my first purchase. Because yeah, I want clean and, financials. And and I don't disagree with that. Luckily, I, I have a wife who is able to produce that and and had a coach when we really decided that we were going to get our financials in order. We had a coach that was able to do that, right, and able to put that in place for us. So the coach had that experience to be able to, to help us understand what we needed to do. I definitely agree. If, if you were going to be in a situation where you're trying to start off, you know, out of nowhere and you're trying to, to start the business right off the cuff. Yeah, definitely. And I'll be honest. I, I think that if I was going to start my business all over again, I think I would hire a consultant or a coach right there and build the business from the ground up and, and start there. Right. Um, and David, I think it was you and I that talked about using a bookkeeping service. Tell us more about that. 
Well, you can get something like QuickBooks has a bookkeeping service. I think it's like 200 bucks a month. And they'll reconcile your, your accounts. But they may not. I, I can tell you for sure, if you don't have your charter account set up properly, they may not be able to help you with that. So I think it's even more important, rather than just using a service like what QuickBooks offers, which, again, is very inexpensive, you can find a local bookkeeper that has experience in automotive. But if you can't hire a coach or a consultant, take some classes. Yeah. I know um, there was a fantastic class at Vision this year. or Yeah, it was this year. That's the um, one that Hunt did, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the one that Hunt did. And th- that was enough information for you if you actually listened to every bit of that class, took the handouts, read through them, you could confidently walk into a bookkeeper's office or CPA's office and say, hey, I need this set up like this. I need it to look like this. And here are my business goals. CPA, help me with what I can use as an, as an expense. Or uh, how do I maximize my net operating profit? Because my goal is to be able to buy a house in three years or buy some property in three years or buy another business in three years or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But that's enough information for you to be able to to walk Absolutely. into one of those offices confidently Absolutely. without I, the I, need I, of the expense of a coach or consultant or signing up for for some program and then learning the facts after afterwards. I, you know, I've still got that class material. It's in my desk drawer right here, and I, I pick it up and reference it from time to time. And and you know, I know you can hire them as well. But but you're exactly right, and I think that training is so key. Right, just a little bit of knowledge in this area can really take your business to the next level. And it, the the key is a little. It doesn't take, right. you know, you don't need to take two years. Or I got to go get a business degree at a community college or something like that right. to figure out what it is that you need. It's not that complicated, but you need the information to begin with. Right, right. Because I, I listen, it terrifies me. The most terrifying thing I see in ASOG is recognizing the number of shops that have no clear picture of their financials. And, and Dutch, you can attest to that. I've, I've told you how much I'm worried about it. We've talked before about, you know, we'll, we'll see a, a post or a conversation about net profit or gross profit, and it becomes very clear very quickly. The folks talking in that thread have no clue what net profit is, or they have no clue what their actual financials are. You can tell just by the way they're talking about their numbers. That's scary for me. Right, because you just don't know where you stand. Yeah, the, the you know, there's that's the Dunning Kruger. You don't know what it is you don't know, so you start celebrating things, and they don't have the meaning in real life that that um, you think they do, and it lulls you into a false sense of security. Um, you'd be surprised how many people are running their business like a checkbook and that's a problem um, without any clear understanding there isn't my goal if, if I'm able to do anything and remember I'm not an accountant I'm not a CPA I'm just a shop owner okay if I was able to do anything one of the goals that I have for ASOG is I'd like to be able to, to find every member somehow motivate them to watch a video of me going over the five key things that they could understand so that they can evaluate their three financial documents 
and have a good idea of where they stand. We're not creating accountants into them. We're not replacing any accountants. We're not doing anything. But I should be able to handle uh, handle uh, hand to any shop owner of ASOC and say, okay, these are your, this is your balance sheet. This is your cash flow statement. This is your P&L. And together, it's not going to take, but uh, initially the first time you do it, it's going to take you two hours and you're going to lose your mind. Afterwards, by about the fourth time you do it, the whole thing will take you 20 minutes. And you'll do it manually in 20 minutes. And we're going to come up with specific ratios that are going to tell you about the state of your business so that when you put your head on the pillow at night, you can rest easy knowing that it may not be perfect, but you're in a position where you can pay your bills and make a profit and provide for your family. Because so many people, Lucas, have no idea. They're just going from day to day, man. They're just, uh, we're, I'm fine. I got money in the bank account. I'm fine. You remember that post about the, the, the poor fellow who got the money um, that the government gave for COVID-19, right? And he put it in his bank account and he was delighted because he had never had this much money in his account at one time. He was absolutely thrilled that look how much money I got. Yeah, that's not gross revenues. Okay, that's a liability. You took money from the government until it's absolutely certain that you don't have to pay it back. You're obligated to take that money back. That's a liability. You've just increased your cash flow. Great. You're still not making a profit, right? Right. Well, so let's keep this, let's keep this Uber pragmatic here. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think what happens, a lot of people will go off into the ideal. Ideally, you could sit down, whip out those numbers and you're done. And you know the state of health of the business. But for a lot of shop owners, they're in the grind. They're working on cars. They're uh, like me. I'm working the counter right now until my new service advisor starts. And so I don't have a lot of time to sit down and look over financials. Or if I do have the time, I'm messing with other things. Or I want to take the time and read through numbers. So if you were to to take a, a shop owner and say, Hey, this is where I need you to start. Step one. What what would you what what would you direct them towards? What's the first thing they need to look at? Here it goes. Okay, this is I'm not politically correct. So toughen up, Buttercup. This is the way it works. All right, successful people do that which they don't want to do when they don't want to do it. The football player you're watching on TV doesn't give a rat's ass about you. Shut the television off and start paying attention to what's going to feed your family. All right, so the first thing we're going to wind up doing is we're going to look at the three documents that you need to be able to understand, which are what? Your P&L, your balance sheet, and your cash flow statement. I want you to look up the definition of what they are. It's real simple, right? You got a smartphone, look down, find out what they are, and write it down. I want you to get a notebook. I mean, my text, get a notebook. I want you to get a notebook and write this down. I even, in anticipation of this, I came up with some questions, all right? Kind of follow-up homework, all right? So that you could understand, because I want everybody here to be successful. Again, I'm not turning anybody into an accountant. I'm not a freaking accountant. I just want people to be able to analyze their business. If a tech can understand, if an owner can understand fuel trim, 
There's no reason why they can't understand the documents that they need for their business. If they can read a scope, there's no reason why they can't understand the health of their business. If they can interpret a five-gas analyzer, there's no reason that they can't understand their business. So you make a fantastic point there. But all of the homework, and I think we'll end up sharing the homework for everybody to see uh, because it's a, it's a really good write-up. But all of that is predicated on clean financials. So yeah. step one yeah, absolutely. is go find – if you don't have a bookkeeper – Go or you don't have an experienced bookkeeper. Is go get a bookkeeper and start, you know, whatever. The beginning of the month, whatever, from this point forward, we're going to forward everything to the bookkeeper. The bookkeeper is going to keep my financials clean. Then go find a CPA, find out how much that's going to cost you to at least meet with them quarterly, maybe twice a year, whatever. Whatever you can afford, but find a competent CPA, one that you know is going to minimize your tax liability and be able to give you the direction that you need in order for you to be able to spit these numbers out off the top of your head. And now remember, uh, 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 you're getting ahead of yourself, Pook. Okay. Minimize your tax liability if that's what you want. Yeah, if that's your goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Because not everybody has that same goal the the guy who's close to retirement within three years of retirement he's not looking to minimize his tax liability he's looking to build his nop up because that again that multiplier is being used to determine what the sale price of his business it's one of those components that's necessary two you got to remember that when you're going to look for that bookkeeper you have to determine how much work the bookkeeper is going to do because if it's just a side hustle where the bookkeeper is going to come in for a couple of three hours a week, what you're going to find is you're going to go through a lot of bookkeepers because it's not going to be worthwhile for them to do it. The bookkeeper yeah, they need I have, to understand how much work. They have to understand how much work there is. The bookkeeper that I have, she comes in twice a week and she posts and reconciles every single vendor, every single piece of paper that comes across the counter in the parts room or um, in the front lobby across the customer service desk with regard to uh, repair orders, payments, anything she does. She sits there and she's very, very good at it. And that's what she does so that when I present that information to my accountant in the accountant's copy of QuickBooks, it is, as David suggests, clean. Because she has experience in this. But you're not going to say to somebody, all right, listen, now here's what it is. I want you to come in for an hour and a half a week because it's going to be too easy for them to blow off. You have to make it worth their while. And you have to make sure you have to interview them the same way you would a technician or a CSR to make sure that they're going to fit within and your organization. if you organization. have no idea how to set up a chart of accounts and, and you need somebody to guide you, you need to find the right person. That has right. the experience in the industry who can guide you on how to set up those chart of accounts to make sure that you've got everything set up properly. So, again, clean financials because all of this is predicated on clean financials. And, and if there is a big enough interest, we can always set up a training on on chart of accounts, right? Yeah. I, I think chart of accounts There's is probably a ton the out biggest. There, though. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm I'm saying that there's, especially in the automotive realm, we could even post a couple samples 
right? But I think that the chart of accounts is probably the most important thing that a shop owner needs to learn to focus on because that that's really where I was struggling at as a as a shop owner who was coming into this um, was understanding where things really needed to be and and to be able to you know we, we talk about gross profit and while the the subject is not gross profit we talk about it a lot and I talk to shop owners who they pop up their their SMS and they say yep right there my gross profit sixty percent. All right, what'd you pay for parts in your accounting software? Uh, why would I look at that? <laughs> That's your gross profit, right? And and typically there's a variance and we see a difference. So those chart of accounts are very, very important to be able to truly know what the business is doing. Just because we have an SMS software doesn't mean that's 100% accurate. Yeah, we have to be able to put checks and balances in place to be able to watch both of them. So that chart of accounts is extremely important. Here's something that'll that'll blow your mind. Uh, For the people that are familiar with a profit and loss P&L statement or an income statement, it's it's its other name. When you see the gross sales, how many here know or learn that that gross sales that that your accountant winds up putting up on the top is less returns? How many knew that? How many of you guys knew that if you show that you had – $500,000 $500,000 worth of gross sales or $500,000 worth of sales that that figure is not just what you sold. That's after the returns. Most people have no idea. They just go, oh, yeah, I had $500,000 worth of sales. Okay. What do we do with the returns? What? We returned X percentage of them because they were wrong or not needed or a customer didn't show or whatever. Is, does, is that included in the 500000 And they give you the deer in the headlights look. Yeah, it's included in the 500000 So while you're looking on your SMS and it shows that you had $503,000 worth of gross sales, it doesn't account for the fact that you returned 3000 of it, did it? No. It doesn't. And people don't know that. Well, you need to know that. And there's a lot of things like that um, that are really, really important so that Lucas is right, you know, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Hey, you know, track says I got this. Aura writer says I got this. Um, Techmetric says shopware, whatever says I have this amount. This is great. No. What about the course you didn't return? Right? What about the, the other stuff that went wrong? How does that factor into it? Right. Warranties, you know, and, and that was one of the big things. So, so as I began to go through this, right, I began to find all these little things that I didn't understand how to put them in. Right. And for years we had just flubbed it, right. We had just thrown it however it would go. It landed where it landed and that was it. And when we really cared about the quality of information we were getting out and, and, and I, I hear people say all the time, is it really that important? Is it really that big of a deal? Yes, it is. Because that's how we determine the health of the business, right? It's how we monitor the health of the business, just like a vital sign, right? We've got to have this information to know the health of the business. Well, things like warranties, you know, it took me forever to figure out how to do that. So now we bill them at, at full or at the full price, right? And then we pay them warranty parts or warranty technician. We associate them with who did the work and we set it up to where we can monitor that to make sure that we know where those funds went and how that process went so we can track it appropriately. And and that's just how we do it. There's tons of different ways to do it. But 
until you have realized that you need to be asking yourself these questions, right? And by that, I mean, if you've spent a ton of time sitting down saying, huh, how should I put that in? How would that work? Where should this go? Where should that go? If you're not experiencing that pretty frequently and you're the one entering the data, uh, you need to dig in a little bit. So what are some practices that we can take to immediately make an impact on this kind of stuff? Because at the end of the year, it's nice to look at your P&L and say, uh, we ended up with this or whatever direction you need to go in. But what are some small small steps we can take on a daily basis? For me, the first thing, and you're going to laugh, but I want people to understand that the difference between margin and markup, because we continue to see that on the board. They don't understand Amen. the difference between margin and markup, okay? That's the first thing I want them to do. The second thing I want them to do is to use an appropriate parts matrix. Because sales solves many problems. It doesn't solve all problems. But charging correctly solves many problems. Raising your rates, which is real big on the board, is a component of the equation that we need to make a difference in our business. But it has to be for a reason, and it makes no sense to raise your rates if you haven't taken care of your expenses, because it's just going to rise in proportion. So for me, what I want to do is I, I want everybody to invest a little time in understanding the fundamentals of a business. What is the difference between markup and margin? What do I charge for my parts? Is it okay that I'm charging more for a part than the dealer would? Yeah, it's okay. Well, this is where not having clean financials and not having a good relationship with a bookkeeper or an accountant comes into play. Because there was a discussion on ASOG where the person didn't want to raise their their rates. And that's what everybody was telling him to do because he was ridiculously busy. And... He said he couldn't afford to hire a new person, but he was so many weeks behind, he was very stressed out. And everybody said, well, just raise your right, raise your rates, and fewer people come in, but you'll make more money on the few people that do come in. And he said, no, we make money, it's fine, and I don't want to raise my rates because I'm trying to help people out, this, that, and the other. It turns out that he had no rent. In the, the place that he was at, it was free. So he was just paying utilities, maybe a small tool bill himself, and that's it. And so he had been he had been depressing his prices because at the end of the month, you know, he was showing a profit. But there were a ton of expenses in there that he should have been factoring in that should have then raised his rates in order to meet those expenses. He wasn't doing it. So having that relationship with the CPA, you sit down and he goes, hey, why don't you show any rent? Oh, the place is free. It's like, okay, that's fine, but you still need to show some rent. You still need to show that expense on your P&L. Uh, what about this expense? What about that expense? Are you paying, um, are, are you factoring in, you know, what the market rate is for all these expenses, even if you're paying less than that? Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. And, and you know, if I had two points, I think the first point would be educate yourself. Take a little bit of time every single week. Spend an hour a week understanding your business financials. And if you don't understand them, find somebody to help you get a grasp on them to understand them. The second thing, you'll hear me say this time and time again, stop subsidizing your customers' repairs with your own money. Stop subsidizing your customers' repairs with the money that was supposed to feed your family. Send your kids to college. Pay for that nice house. We need to earn a profit to be able to care for our family. Otherwise, if you don't, you've got a job. You don't have a business. You are working a terribly stressful job. With a massive amount of liability. Absolutely. And no benefit. No benefit Absolutely. from the liability. And, and, and every single shop that I see in this situation, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got a lot of friends in this industry. I talk to a lot of them on a daily basis. The ones that I see that are in this situation are subsidizing their repairs. Ah, I shouldn't charge that much. Gosh, that's a lot for that part. Oh, man, that labor seems awful high. They're pricing it out of their own wallet. And they're subsidizing the customer's repair with the money that was supposed to feed their family. And that's sad to me. And not only that, he's jeopardizing his future. Because he may not be able to, he may not have the money to subsidize his retirement, put some money away for the future, be able to build the business up so he can sell it. Maybe he doesn't want to sell it. That's fine. But the business should be able to generate enough of a profit that you can put some money aside, that you can do some other things and move those expenses into your uh, into the business. But all of that is based on having that gross revenue number as high as it needs Absolutely. to be, yeah. and and that was that's what he didn't understand. He thought, well, I'm going to lose a bunch of customers, and based on fear, he didn't want to raise his rates. That's not the point here. He was way under under market value for his repairs. Or he's a bad mechanic, one of the two. If you're a bad mechanic, you don't want to raise your rates. I get it. I, I understand. Don't raise your rates. Let the people that want the cheapest repair come to you. Fine. But then don't get stressed out about it. Just understand that that's, what, that's the market that you're serving. But I guarantee you, you ask the guy and say, are you a good mechanic? He's like, yeah, I'm a fantastic mechanic. That's why they come back to me. I'm honest. I'm a great mechanic. Um, you know, I treat them right. Well, great. Then charge appropriately. Charge Amen. market value because that top line revenue number is going to translate into a healthy bottom line that you can do stuff with at that point, like hire somebody to take some of the load off of you and be able to pay for them and the payroll tax and all that other garbage that comes with having employees and be able to pay, uh, for, for good insurance. How important is that? All of that is based on like Dutch is saying, having a good markup on your parts, having the right labor rate, building an invoice properly, that's huge, right? That's step three. Everybody forgets about that. You, they're like, oh, I've raised my rates. My rates are the highest in town. Great. What, what's your parts matrix look like? Oh, it's really good. I've got this 17-tier uh, parts matrix. It's the best. Great. And what's the problem? I don't know what the problem is. Start start doing audits on your invoices. They're garbage. They've got one line on the labor. It's it's not enough hours, and there's 17 parts on the invoice. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That water pump and that thermostat are two operations. They're not even on the same side of the car. 
Why are you rolling that into the water pump repair? Well, we're in there. We need to do a thermostat with a water pump. You're right. It should be a separate labor line. You should be adding labor hours to that. Absolutely. They should see that you're adding, that you're doing a thermostat and the upper hose and the bottom hose uh, and that you're maybe uh, doing a flush on the radiator and the radiator, whatever, right? That invoice needs to be built appropriately. I'm telling you, that's a massive problem. And I personally had that issue for years and years and years. I, I thought I was building tickets correctly. I, I'm telling you, I was not right. building and, tickets correctly. And you probably thought you were doing your customers some favors, right? And but, you always but the think you're doing it. Customers don't care. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> they just want to know what many, the price is. You weren't doing them any favors either. Right. You weren't doing them any good. And, and you know, the other thing that we always hear, and it seems like this is the biggest buzz in the industry right now is the technician shortage. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You ask technicians why it is that they want out. Most of them will cite pay, right? If you don't charge and have proper labor margins, you can't pay your technician enough, right? Got to be able to pay them fairly. They want benefits. They will do that. You got to have net profit. Well, you got to have profit. And and we talk about this like it's an unsolvable problem. But if your labor rate's where it's supposed to be and we're charging appropriately and we can offer benefits and we can really take care of our people, you know, now we can pay them fairly, right? But the other thing is this, is that when we are sure of the business's financials, if we know where the business is, it takes a tremendous amount of stress off of the owner. Trust me, I know. When we know that we have a safety net, we, we, we're we in a good spot financially with the business. The owner is under so much less stress. He's not going back here and yelling at the technician over taking 30 minutes too long because it really doesn't matter. We're doing what's best for our customer, right? And so when we get the business where it needs to be financially, that's when we start to see the culture improve in the business. I know because that's exactly what we've done in our business. Right. The culture has improved because we began to get some leeway. We were able to breathe because financially we were getting where we needed to be. So and let's talk solved. about that for two seconds here because I, I want to make sure we bring this up here. You, you mentioned the technician shortage. How many shops are basing their pay on what the shop down the street is paying their technicians or what the dealership is paying? You're saying that these technicians are leaving the industry. They are. But why are they leaving the industry? Well, it's because that that uh, municipality down the street is paying X amount of dollars, and so they'll they'll take some of your technicians and turn them into you know filter changers for a salary set salary with a pension that you're not willing to match because every single technician up and down the street is only getting paid eighteen bucks an hour. My guys are making twenty. Well, that municipality is paying twenty five or thirty. Or the HVAC company is paying 25 or 30 and you're paying your guys 18 Well, of course they're going to leave the industry. It doesn't make any sense. You can say, hey, we are paying our technicians more than anybody else in town. But you're not competing against similar fields where they're, pull- they're pulling uh, technicians out of the field entirely because your, your pay isn't competitive with what they're paying their technicians. And whatever ha- that happens to be, contractors – heating and air conditioning companies, plumbers, whatever. They're pulling people out of the field because you're not willing to raise your rates in order to be able to pay a talented technician to stay a technician or, or continue to be a technician. 
Well, you know, I, I, I had a big eye opening event at vision and I think it was Ron's class from Westside auto pros a while back. And he said something that really stood out to me. He was talking about that. He was talking to a gentleman who, um, came to his house to fix his stove. And he said, uh, you know, he comes in, he drives up in a company truck and, and they charged him from the time that, that they left the facility to come to his house and they charged him by the hour and, you know, basically explained, Hey, we're going to be marking this part up. Just go ahead and be prepared for that. And, uh, he got to talking to him. He said, yeah, he said, man, he said, we, you know, they buy my tools, they pay for my training and, and, uh, you know, I make $85,000 a year and I've got insurance and I've got all this time off. I've got paid time off. I've got sick days. I've got this, I've got that. And he said, wow, that's an eye opener. Right. And if I remember the story correctly, he may have even said that used to be one of his technicians. I can't remember for sure. But think about that for a few minutes and and look at what we're paying our technicians today. And 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 I, you'll hear me say this over and over again. And, and Dutch, you can you can further clarify this. But um, when we look at our technician pay, it's a percentage of our labor. Right. And, and there's a way to set that up. There's formulas and, and, you know, between Dutch and David and, and my shop coach, I've really learned that if you follow the formulas, your business will be profitable. But if you don't know where you stand financially, you're not going to follow anything because you just don't know where you're at and you don't know what to change to get where you want to go. You know, Lucas, you said something that really, I, I wish I, that I could share with you, but I get several shop owners because they know how I am about numbers will bring me their financials and they'll, they'll say, can you review this for me? Sure. You know, not, not a problem because they were going to go to the bank and they were going to get, trying to get a note or they were going to do something or they just wanted to have a general understanding of where they were. And the look of relief on their face when you say, listen, you're not doing horrible. Yeah, there's some points that we can change to, to help you make things better. But this isn't horrible. I've seen a whole lot worse. You did this wrong and we could change this and do this. But this, the look of relief, because up until they, they leave the office or they're talking to me, um, they will do it over lunch. They're stressed to the max, man. They, because for me, it's a non-penalty event. I'm not going to deny them an, a, a loan because they hand me their financials and I say, look, uh-oh, this sucks. Or we have to change this before this or know that the bank is going to focus on this here. But when you tell them, okay, it's manageable, we can improve, the look of relief that's on their face and the look, get this, when it sucks and you tell them it sucks, they're not surprised. They know it sucks. They just don't know what to do about it. So then we'll work on it together. Let me show you what we can wind up doing. Let's use the formulas and see what's going on. That's the, the difference. You know, in the pit of your gut, if you're at all tuned to your business, you know stuff's wrong. You know it. You can be oblivious to some things. Right, Lucas? we all seen it. Absolutely. I am all the time. I, I find myself in situations all the time. Right. But when you go to somebody at, in a non-Jeopardy environment and you say, can you look at this for me? Can you can you help me with this? 
and you tell them, remember, you haven't said, I haven't said to them, hey, this is great. I said, this don't suck. I've seen worse. That alone is enough to make somebody's entire day. And when you, you, you don't want to know what it means when you see somebody who's 38 years old sitting in your office crying. Crying, Lucas. Because he doesn't understand what he's done wrong. I've had that. Right. And it, it, it breaks my heart. I don't want to see more of our members have to go through that. I, re- I really don't. You know? Um, well, you know, and, and it, it comes back to... It does. It's not rocket science. There's a formula. There's a way that this works. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Nope. You don't have to go this alone. There's people who are willing to help you. We're willing to help you. Yep. You do not have to go this alone. You can do this. It's not that hard, but you got to start. Right, you got to take action. You can't just sit there and wait for somebody or listen to a podcast or watch a training video and say, "Yep, yeah, mm-hmm, that sounds good," and never do anything. You must take action. You must do something because here's the thing: is if you don't know where you're at financially, it will eventually catch up with you. Yep. There's no way around it. Um, all right, so here's here's the the, the thing that I, I wanted to, and I appreciate everybody who hung in this far. Um, I have an announcement about ASOG, uh, about our, our our family, our ASOG family. It's official, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason that that Lucas and David and I and the rest of the moderator team uh, push so very very hard for education is because it's official. We are an official five hundred one c three organization. And it's an educational organization that's dedicated to you, the listeners of this and the members of ASOC. That's it. Not for profit. Nobody's making any money on this. This is done strictly to be able to help you be your best. That's why we're here. We put in the paperwork. I put it in. Um, we got, you know, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, but I was willing to uh, avail myself of the help of people that were really good at this sort of stuff, and we got it. We got it. Nobody else does. We're the, the organization that's dedicated to helping you better your life through your business for your family Amen. at zero cost. And that was all Dutch is doing, too. Yeah, no, you put, you put in all the legwork to get that, that done. Yeah, you know, the fact is that Scott started it. Lucas picked up the ball with it. It has made great strides. You and he together have done all of this. I haven't done deck when it comes to this stuff. I don't know. You know, I'm like, oh, a microphone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right? going to be the intro, by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> a microphone. Um, and, you know, the, the rest of the team, Wendy, all, all the everybody else who's uh, who's on the, the the moderator team who works so tirelessly, Andrew, Chris, uh, I, I can't. My mind Eric. is blanking out. Eric, for sure, busting ass for one reason, just to make things better for everybody. So I'm glad that we were able to pull this off, um, and now because of this, we're going to be able to demonstrate to people the, our sincerity, so that they can. Come to us and make your life better by offering you educational opportunities. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed the third episode of the ASOC podcast. We're probably going to do a part two. There was just too much to cover. We ran out of time. But I hope you did enjoy it. And we'll catch you next time. you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.